Now, we're joined in the studio by Ian Epstein. Good morning to you, Ian. Good morning, Doctor. How are you? Good, well, nice to talk to you. How Thank are things? You. You're settled in there. Come a little yes. bit closer to the microphone there. No problem. And you. Ian is a psychologist and hypnotherapist. Uh, hypnotherapist, I see. Psychotherapist. Uh, psychotherapist. Okay, Sorry. psychotherapist and uh, psychologist. Um, but he's going to talk to us about how everyday things in our lives might be impacting us a little bit that we perhaps don't reach our full potential and we feel a little bit as what we might call it depressed. But first of all, Ian, today that's in it, um, being Ash Wednesday, traditionally a day where people say, I'm going to give up those fags, certainly for Lent and maybe I'll give them up forever. It's a big push by, you know, the Irish Heart Foundation and others to give up the cigarettes. What do you reckon? Without doubt, we all know that smoking is bad for us. So therefore, if we can give them up, it is very beneficial to us. And I do smoking cessation with people, very successful, if they want to give it up. But it's very important, think about it today, look at what you're doing, what you're doing to your health and those around you, and make a decision to give them up. Why is the message of cigarettes and the damage they do and the fatalities that result from it not getting through to people? Is it because it's not immediate? It's not like, like I smoke a cigarette now and somebody's going to take me out and shoot me. It's further down the line and it might or might not happen to me, but there's a good possibility it will, but it mightn't. I think the problem is that people think of cigarette smoking, it's a crutch. It's something that they can relax to and really and truly that's a fallacy because in order to be able to relax your heart rate has to slow down but when you actually smoke your heart rate speeds up so it's a fallacy that smoking actually relaxes you so it's a crutch an addiction and it's something that people can actually get over are there things in people's personalities that they have to have something one of these crutches um, I know somebody who uh, was a very heavy drinker and went to AA and went off the drink. They took up smoking because they felt they had to have something. And if you close that one, they take up gambling or something. Well, it's all of these things are crutches. All of these things are addictions. And with cigarettes, it's like somebody needs to do something with their hands. There is other things that you can do. For example, I know this sounds very stupid in a way, but I say to people, why not take up knitting? It's something that's creative and we just don't realise or uh, take up uh, making a model of an aeroplane or a car or something like that. Will Do people something get, with your hands. Will people get obsessive about it? That's in their nature. People, some people are have an obsessive nature. Some people don't. The obsessive people will always want to do something. The people who don't, they're the, the, the ones that can relax into doing something. Are there many non-obsessive people who smoke? Very difficult question to answer. It's it's in the personality. You'd have to speak to the person to find that out. So they could replace it with something else. And that's is that a key? Um, think of the health implications. Think about how antisocial it is for in, in many ways we live our life. Um, and then displace it. Exactly. It is becoming more and more not the not the dumb thing basically it's it's you just people who smoke are nearly frowned upon nowadays restaurants cinemas 
anywhere you go, it's going to become a situation where you cannot smoke outside, not just in a pub or in a, a certain area in the pub or something like that. It's going to come where you're just not going to be able to smoke anywhere and people are going to look at you as if you have a, a disease nearly. So why not take the opportunity while you're young, healthy, go for it and enjoy life to the full and live a longer life. Right. Ian, uh, what's your own background then? My own background is I have been a... Originally, I was a, a DJ going back years ago on the, the pirate stations. Which one? I was on ARD, Sunshine, Nova, really? all of the, the radio stations, and I absolutely loved being talking to people and making them happy. Flumen, you're almost me. I know. I, know. I was on those. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, then I became a professional photographer, and I enjoyed that as well. Um, but then I wanted, I always wanted more out of life. I always wanted to, to do more with people. And really, I think years ago, I was a scout leader. And there was a particular person that came along to me with their son that had a problem in that he was very introvert. And he had brought him to a few different scout uh, uh, places and they just wouldn't, they didn't want to know because they didn't know how to handle it. I brought the, the young lad in and I he sat there with his coat and hood up over his head and I just let him sit there and eventually over the weeks he slowly started to take the hood down and see what was going on around him and all as this guy wanted to do was to be included but he was so shy he just did not know how and I think I always remember from that moment on that I wanted to help people and I decided I wanted to go back Restudy, which I was never good in school at studying. I'm the first one to put my hand up. But when I started going back studying counselling, psychotherapy, hypnotherapy, I absolutely ate, drank and slept on it. It was fantastic. Nobody was telling me what I had to do. I knew what I had to do and I just loved doing it. I started uh, in private practice 14 years ago and I have never looked back since because it is a brilliant feeling when somebody walks into you that have been helped in with depression, for example, and you see, you can see it in their eyes, you can see it in their face that they're just not with you. And a husband or wife or son or daughter helps them in, they just don't know what to do for them. You then slowly start to work with this person and over a couple of maybe weeks, sessions, you slowly st start to see this glimmer of light coming into this person's eyes and you know you're making progress. The person knows that they're making progress and then the light comes in, the sunshine comes in. And when that sunshine comes in, they always, the one question that it seems to be right across the board, where is that feeling gone? Why has that feeling left me? It feels great. I feel as if this proverbial weight has been lifted off my shoulders. And what is that weight? What is, what is the outlook of somebody who feels that all is not right? And some people might call it depression or being low or something. Some people have des described depression as a heavy black curtain of despair that surrounds them. And... Depression affects your life and the lives of those around you. And it can severely 
change ourselves in so many ways. It's unbelievable. You can't eat, you can't sleep, you can't get along with others. And although most people suffer from depression, um, they feel as though they're suffering alone. And it's only when you talk about it, you realize that it affects so many people in all walks of life. But what sort of thing is depression? Somebody can really be, because of their personality and because of something they learned when they were growing up, they could be envious of other people, that they feel they're better than, and those other people have more materialistic goods than they do. And they're constantly reminded of it all the time. And they're trying to think as well, how do I clear the mortgage and the credit card and all that? And they can feel those outside influences making sure that they don't feel well. But is that depression? That's a form of depression. Depression can hit so many people in so many different ways. There's, they become, they lose interest in life and things around them. They can, they avoid people. They, they have a loss of self-confidence. And the other thing is, they, they have a pessimistic view of the future. But when you say that certain people are prone to depression, it's like saying to somebody, you know, get on with your life, move on. And it's the worst thing you can do to somebody to say, a person who's feeling depressed, if you say to them, get on with it, pull yourself out of it, they can't do that. And it's one of the worst things you can actually say to somebody. So what do you say? You say wallow in it? No. What you do is listen. Be a good friend to them. Help them. Try and see if you can work with them and go out with them. And if you feel that you're getting somewhere, just keep being a good friend to that person. But you could be accused of indulging people. Now, I sound probably harsh to people and, and, and people are probably saying he doesn't understand or something. I'm just exploring this with, with Ian Epstein who's here. You could be accused of indulging. You are in a way indulging because you're friendly with this person. You're a good friend. If a good friend is a good friend, they're going to watch out for their friend if they think they're suffering with depression. And you cannot just suddenly ignore this person. And that's one of the worst things you can do because this person does genuinely want to be well, they want to get out there, they want to do things, but they just feel that they can't. If you're a friend to this person and you feel that you're helping them, there's other ways to help them as well by recommending them to somebody that they, they, they go and see somebody like myself. Or if you feel that you're able to talk through with them what that they're getting out of the depression, that's fine. But a lot of people, as I say, when they say, get over it and pull yourself out of it, they just can't. Other people don't understand that. To have to know what it's like, you really have to be in that situation. With this dull black cloud that surrounds them, it is so difficult to pull yourself out of it. Mm, what sort of practical things can people do to alleviate it? Practical things are get out, mingle, Try to exercise, good eating, healthy diet. These are things that can help. Try to read a book. This is one thing that, if pe that people have often said to me, they find it very difficult to read a book. Because they can't keep concentrating. They can't concentrate. So what I'll say to them then is, get rid of the book, get a magazine, and read short little 
articles in it. If this is not working for you, then seek the the help of a professional. Yeah, and where does the professional start? The assessment, and do people go along reluctantly, or are they kicked no, go along? Or it's very rare that people are kicked going along because these people are not really re- ready for therapy as such. But when somebody either rings me, I'll talk to them on the phone briefly, get a little bit of history, but once they come along to me, I go through an assessment with them. After the assessment, I will recommend to them what's the best type of therapy for them and work with that client all the way through until they're happy. It's never anything to do with the the therapist. It's when the client is happy. And that's the most important thing. Have you ever spotted somebody who potentially is, is going to take their own lives? It's... If we could pinpoint that with somebody, I think there would be less suicides in the country. It's very difficult to know what goes on behind people's minds. It, it, you, the one thing I say to people is that I'm not a mind reader. I'm a people person watcher. I love watching people. But we, do, we just don't know. I mean, our best friend could be suicidal and you just don't know. You really don't know. and But if they talk to you, that is when you can start to help them. Mm. And if you're not saying to them, get on out of that and whatever, um, what are you saying to them? I know you do a lot of listening, but what are you saying to them that they will turn the car around? Now, are you talking to me about me as a therapist or yeah. as a friend? As a therapist, as I said, there is various ways of dealing with depression. There's counselling, there's cognitive behavioural therapy, there's hypnotherapy. And when I go through an assessment with a client, basically, at the end of the assessment, I will recommend to them a particular type of therapy that I think would be best suited for them. And I would go through that therapy. If I felt during the therapy that it wasn't working for some reason, I would change the therapy around. The client probably wouldn't even know. The various types of therapy, as I said, is counselling, which is one-to-one, straight talking, getting to know the client, getting to know what the problem is, and looking for the root cause of the problem. The cognitive behavioural therapy is dealing with the, the client in the now to try and get them sorted in what's happening to them at this moment of time. With hypnotherapy, this is a different type of therapy altogether. Hypnotherapy is only a tool to be used for therapy, where I would do what's called analytical therapy through that, to find out where the root cause is of the problem, sort it and put it away. Now, hypnotherapy—sorry, analytical therapy—deals with going from the person from now in the past, because a lot of problems can come from our past. And, for example, something that's happened to us when in, when in our childhood, and something that is happening to us now, we bring that all back up again. And this is, for example, bullying in the workplace, where some uh, a man of 50, 50 years of age working away in the, in the workplace and suddenly he's bullied and he doesn't realise where all these feelings are coming from. But when he goes through analytical therapy, he realises when he was a child, he was bullied in school 
and it's bringing back all of those feelings again and it makes it actually worse. So what we deal with and what I deal with is first of all, what happened to him when he was a child, put that away and then deal with the person today and sort that out so he becomes more confident, or she becomes more confident and happier with themselves. Right, great to talk to you. I could talk all day. I know. We wish everybody the best of giving up smoking because uh, we deviated into into finding there the is other, There's other things that I deal with as well, which you can find on my website, which is www.confidentialcounseling.ie. Or if anybody does want to talk to me, they can give me a call on 01-296-0611 and I'd be happy to talk to them. Very good. Confidentialcounseling.ie. Uh, Ian Epstein, thanks very much indeed Thank Ian, you for, very for much dropping in.